Hello there, welcome to the Fatherhood Experience Podcast. I have nothing to talk about this morning, but I will hit record because that is my agreement with myself. You hit record when you start driving, and you hit publish when you stop driving. So we're just going to chat, maybe ramble, and then uh, I'll fill out the, the podcast information after we're done recording. There is a beautiful sunrise uh, that I'm catching right now as I'm driving. And it really makes me think about the horizon in its function, not necessarily for its aesthetic. And the horizon for us provides boundaries, boundaries for morning and daytime, boundaries for our perspective of the motion of the sun. <clears throat> we use the horizon as that endless boundary, which is an oxymoron, of course. It's an endless boundary that we want to pursue. When we travel west, you just follow the sun until you hit the ocean. But why are boundaries important? There are always rules for everything. And for the most part, rules are patterns that we have noticed in the world. Observations that we have theorized and proven over and over and over again. So the rules of gravity were based on an observation. And then we took a guess. And once that guess was validated, basically we took a guess and we said, hey, I think gravity works this way and masses move this way, um, mass times acceleration towards the earth and the acceleration of gravity is such. And we did some experiments and it didn't matter what the size of the object was, the acceleration of the earth of the force of gravity imposed us an acceleration on different size objects that resulted in the same rate of speed so that the speed was changing at the same rate that's an observation that we turn into a rule <clears throat> and then we have rules for art so rules of perspective, rules of color that again were based on observations. When we see things in perspective, there is a focal point and or multiple focal points that we use that our eyes actually gravitate towards and we see things in that way. And so we want when we want to imitate life with art, <clears throat> we use those observations as rules for that imitation. Well, I thought life was free. What about us creatives? Art is the most creative form. What do you mean there are rules in art? Those rules are there for boundaries, but within those boundaries, there are so many things that we can do. Those boundaries are there because they are the natural boundaries of life. We just can't help the way that our eyes look. 
maybe aliens and flies look at life from a different perspective but if we wanted to convey something to someone else or we wanted to create something beautiful for somebody else to see as beautiful then we have to see it the same way that they see it and what defines how people see things are those natural rules that we have observed and tabulated now there are a bunch of natural rules that are amazing and we still haven't discovered yet because we're too dumb to do it and we have to build off of the current knowledge that we have based on the founding fathers of art the founding fathers of of science the founding fathers or mothers of math the founders like Marie Curie and tons of different scientists that we are studying now in psychology in philosophy now these rules or boundaries that they have set were just ideas they were observations one of those observations that caused such a stir in the past couple of decades was the bell curve. The bell curve was an observation essentially of how well students comprehended a certain subject and the distribution of grades based on students looked like a bell curve. Now what caused the stir was when you had instructors who started using that observation and started applying it as a law or as a boundary for grading. So if 70% of the students got C's in this observation, well then I'm going to apply that as a hard rule. 70% of the students are going to get C's in my class, 20% are going to get B's and 10% are going to get A's. And that's not really how life works. We observe things and we say, huh, that is an awesome insight. But instead of using those boundaries and turning them into hard set rules or walls, we as people are meant to stretch boundaries. We're there to stretch the, the limits that have been placed around us. So instead of looking at the bell curve as this hard rule because this is my observation of the past 20 classes that I've taught it's more of a challenge the way I would have looked at it if I if I discovered the bell curve was I would have looked at it as a challenge to increase the number of A's it would have been more of a reflection on the way I was teaching that means I was not reaching 70% of the class it would have meant that I was doing a if an A was a kick-ass job and a C was an average job as a teacher of conveying information then I was doing an average job of teaching a specific subject if I was getting more people to master the subject and not master each other then I would that curve would be disproportionately weighted towards the A's and I would have more A students passing that class because as instructors and mentors what we want to do is have the people that we are teaching really kick butt in whatever they're learning that's our job as teachers is to teach them the information but what has happened over time is the 
teaching has been isolated to the action of delivering the message and not necessarily making sure that your students receive the message. It's the same with parenting because when I want to get my children to do something or to behave in a certain way, it's very tempting to default to I told you this or we've been talking about that and we're focusing on the action of the parent or the actions that we have taken to deliver the children the message. Not necessarily whether they absorbed it or not or whether they were able to assimilate the new habit or new skills that we wanted to teach them, teaching them like putting their dishes away or putting the toilet seat down after you pee when you are a boy standing up and you sprinkle everything on the toilet. Hey, another habit would be to wipe the toilet down if you pee on it. Putting the cap on the toothpaste. There are things that we can discuss with our children and we can put onto our checklist of the things that we have quote unquote taught them and they are failing because they are only achieving 50% of the checklist that we have delivered. Now. Maybe as adults, that's pretty horrible. But who formed that kid to be the way that they are? We did. And we started from infancy. And the way that they behave and the way that they act within the boundaries that we have taught them or that we have formed them in is all up to us. Now those boundaries have to be a lot smaller when they're when they're children. We have to put a lot more rules and the reason for that is just like the development inside the womb, there's only so much that they can handle when they're very very young. And the better they can handle themselves within those boundaries, then the more freedom we give them, the the more we increase the boundaries and the ultimate goal is that they can behave like kind human beings, productive human beings in an ever-changing set of circumstances, rules and boundaries, in an ever-changing set of social um, environments that they'll find themselves in. And the, re the way that they're going to be able to do that is by the formation that we've given them in the smaller environments with smaller boundaries. Boundaries, boundaries. What are these boundaries, you say? Are these just rules? Are these just the things that we show them, the things that we teach them? Maybe. That's one boundary. I would say that's the upper boundary. When we tell our children our expectations, it gives them an upper bounds of things that they should be doing, things they should be reaching for. Some of these upper bounds would be uh, you should go to bed by 8 o'clock. You should put your dishes away. You should finish your homework by 5. The, these are things that we want to form our children to and that's the upper boundary. This is the expectation and I want you to hit that. <clears throat> if we are craftier, we will actually leave room for them to ex exceed those boundaries and to be able to start doing it on their own accord without us ever having to tell them what the expectation is. Well, that's one boundary. What about the other boundary? 
Is it the things that we tell them not to do? Not so much. It's not necessarily, the other boundary isn't what we tell them not to do because there are things that we don't know not to tell them until they've done it and then they've hurt themselves or uh, it's one of those examples where you know a kid picks up a hammer hits themselves on the knee to see what, what it's gonna feel like and then say don't you hit yourself on the knee with a hammer we can't foresee all those things so we have to form them a little bit differently and it is so yes verbal boundaries are the things that they should do and the things we want them to do and how we communicate that so those are the verbal boundaries and then the verbal boundary on the other side is what not to do we tell them don't do this don't do that thou shall not do this thou shalt do that like those are the verbal boundaries and those are the verbal agreements that we have created for them to operate in now what about the physical boundaries the physical boundaries as in the things that we make manifest now the first the upper boundary is example the things that we tell them that they should do we have to do as well because that is the tangible boundary <clears throat> that we set for them that is a cultural boundary of how we do things if we the parents or the old the older siblings do it the teachers do it then our kids are gonna do it our students are gonna do it everyone who sees us are hopefully gonna do it if especially if we are motivating individuals now the bottom half of the boundary system is what we tolerate it's not just a matter of what we tell them not to do it's what we tolerate them to do so if we say don't play your iPads fat past 5 p.m. but we tolerate playing the iPads past 5 p.m. then the the boundary the cultural boundary or the behavioral boundary that we have set is they can play their iPads past 5 p.m because those cultural boundaries are gonna be much stronger than the verbal boundaries. It actually creates <clears throat> um, a schism or a break. It creates a break between your word and your actions. And when that happens, then words become fiction. Articulate to be articulate or to be able to use your words in an articulate manner really starts to lose its power because It doesn't really matter what you say. It's just beautiful. It's like watching a movie. It's not reality So as parents We want to make sure that those boundaries align. It's like the observation of the rule of gravity like watching an apple fall and observing that and then watching a stick fall and watching that and then saying whoa 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 wait a minute I mr. Isaac Newton soon to be sir just observed that there are all these things falling from this tree that are falling at the same rate Hey, watch that there's a squirrel that just fell off the tree and they all fell at about the same rate hit the ground at the same time now here's this rule 
mass equals or gravity equals whatever force equals mass times acceleration gravity 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 rules and then those gravity rules are then used to not impose a law on things but we use it to predict what's gonna happen in another scenario right so those are the words that we the words and the observations that we have made now if his if Newton's law or the force acceleration or force mass acceleration equation didn't pan out and didn't work 50% of the time then we wouldn't use it as a way of predicting future behavior right so I'm crafting my words properly or intentionally I'm crafting my words intentionally because I want to be articulate the words that we say whether it's the top boundary or the bottom boundary create an equation for us to predict our behaviors the behaviors that we set an example for and the behaviors that we tolerate on the bottom end so those are quote unquote the tolerances of the equation of our words So there it is. Let's wrap this ramble up in a nice, nice, neat little packages. Today's podcast was about creating boundaries for our children, verbal boundaries of agreements or deals or rules of what they should do and what they shouldn't do. And we have to make sure that we make those words real by our example that we abide by the rules that we implement for our children and we do not tolerate the violations of the thou shalt not rules or the things that they shouldn't do we shouldn't tolerate it in ourselves build a, we need to build an internal accountability system where our children can hold us accountable if we're not following the rules one example of that is we set a rule of no electronics in the toilet because whenever someone's on the toilet and they're using their electronics it just takes them a little bit longer time to get off the toilet and if there's five people sharing one toilet in the morning it can cause quite a traffic jam and the kids always hold us accountable to that rule whether or not it is flush hour and flush hour for those of you who have heard that term for the first time is like rush hour but it is the hour where everybody needs to use the toilet and there are a limited supply of toilets there you go that is my fatherhood experience that I wanted to share with you today the importance of boundaries setting boundaries for your children to operate in so all the freedom that they have go ahead exercise your freedom but exercise your freedom within these boundaries. Thank you very much for joining me in my fatherhood experience.